I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome into this special edition of Nothing Impossible. I'm Michael Calhoun. And I'm Travis Sheridan, and we are doing both audio and video today. Yeah. You know, each week we get to tell wonderful stories and talk to wonderful entrepreneurs and innovators in the St. Louis region. And uh, this week, we not only get to have this on the air, but it's part of LACO's big conference. Yeah, the St. Louis Association of Community Organizations. And we're going to get all sorts of great information on what some organizations in St. Louis are doing when it comes to technology and innovation. It's the kind of stuff that we do every week. Lately, we've had a great focus on how to help St. Louis's underserved communities really get into this startup ecosystem. And that's uh, how we're going to continue the conversation today. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we've really touched on a lot during this, especially the last few months, is COVID's impact on the region. So we're not only looking at, uh, you know, how underserved communities can get more engaged in entrepreneurship, but we're also talking, we've talked a lot about how COVID has impacted the St. Louis region. Uh, But today we're going to be hyper-focused on uh, St. Louis entrepreneurs who are doing, have programs specifically uh, for bringing more people around the proverbial table. Yeah, uh, including these programs that help, uh, you know, accelerate startups as they attempt to get going. They need support. They need funding. A lot of the startup founders need mentorship. And so that's one of what uh, the topics we're going to get into. Right. We're going to talk with folks from WePower uh, as they have just completed one of their accelerator programs. Uh, and we'll also be able to meet one of the entrepreneurs who went through that program. And then we will talk to Matt Homan. He has a company downtown called Filament. And Mike. So he's going to do this very interesting uh, event coming up soon called Thanksgiving. Uh, I imagine that this year, because of COVID, people's Thanksgivings might be a little disrupted. Maybe you won't have 30 people around the dinner table. But we'll ask Matt what Thanksgiving is all about. Thanksgiving. I guess that might replace uh, Friendsgiving. A lot of people aren't going to be able to have that this year. No, but I guess we'll all be thinking uh, at all times this year. Of course. And then we're going to talk with uh, Darren Jackson, who we've had on the show before, really a, a marketing genius in the St. Louis area. I, I still look back on that show. Remember how much fun we had in studio with, with Darren during that show? Like, I just remember having fun in studio with you <laughs> in general. <yeah. laughs> we've been doing this yeah. thing for a while. Oh, the good old days of meeting in studio. But yeah, Darren, Darren's going to come back uh, and talk with us. Uh, he has an organization, a company called All Black Creatives. And we're going to talk to him about uh, some of the programs he's been running, helping uh, black and brown entrepreneurs and creative professionals get connected to major brands, brands like Adobe and Airbnb and Instagram. It'd be cool to see what he's up to. 
Wow, those are some big names. Yeah, they are. Well, Darren's got a big personality and a big vision. Excellent. Can't wait to talk with Darren and Matt and Edgar and Tiffany. It's all coming up on this edition of Nothing Impossible, right here on KMOX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, welcome back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Travis Sheridan and Michael Calhoun, and we are joined uh, virtually in studio with, with uh, Edgar Payano from WePower and Tiffany Wesley. She's the founder of Pure Vibes, and we'll get into both of those in just a moment. But Edgar, can you tell us a little bit about WePower and especially your role running some of these entrepreneurial programs? Absolutely. So uh, WePower as an organization started uh, around two years ago, and I am specifically involved in their community wealth building sort of strategy, sort of umbrella of the work, because WePower does a lot of work as well um, with activating political power. Um, So the mission of the organization, in short, is um, empowering community members to activate political and economic power. So from there, I'm under that economic power, which we like to talk about uh, it as sort of community wealth building. And I help manage and run the uh, accelerator, which is called Elevate Elevar. Elevar is Spanish for Elevate. um, And it is the first program of its kind in the St. Louis region to specifically focus on um, entrepreneurs that identify as such. What are some of the unique challenges that... uh folks who come to your program face that maybe people who go into some of these other accelerator programs, they don't have to deal with. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I think uh, one of the challenges I would say is that, um, you know, some of these entrepreneurs, I think this speaks to sort of our greater goal of trying to change the narrative around um, what is possible when we invest completely in black and Latinx entrepreneurs. So uh, I think that, um, Oftentimes there are accelerators who only focus on maybe like the next Facebook or the next Uber, you know, looking for that next big tech company. Um, And here we're giving folks a platform where like, yes, tech is absolutely involved, but we'd also like to include um, businesses that would be considered main street, right? Or folks who sell more of like a product or service that, you, you know, you might have a brick and mortar. So that in itself brings its own challenges of having a diverse cohort with diverse needs. But um, it's a problem that uh, I think is healthy and good for us to wrestle with. And also to, to really think into um, what, what is possible um, in terms of, you know, growth for these folks. What does... Um, accelerating uh, the growth of their team look like because they have different needs. Um, and so uh, really they're, um, when you look at programs like the PPP or even where money is allocated when it comes to like uh, equity or, or venture money, excuse me, um, a lot of it is not going to black and Latinx entrepreneurs. And so uh, that's a challenge in itself um, for us as well as trying to find, um, including those for entrepreneurs who are interested in those two paths, you know, giving them the tools and knowledge to go down those paths, but also um, looking at what's in the middle, right? So alternative forms of capital and financial tools to help them. So everybody gets excited about those, the quote unquote, big names, right? The Ubers and the Facebooks and whatnot. But I would imagine, and I, I think I understand this just from my professional life, you know, most of our economy, a local economy is driven by, you know, small enterprise. Uh, we, I don't want to call them mom and pop businesses because I think that's too... Right. Uh, condescending uh but really it is it's the small business it's the entrepreneur who if they start by themselves and add two people to their team that's that's exponential growth 
Absolutely. Yeah. So um, that's big for us. So a big part. So the accelerator is a six month program and um, the first three months is like curriculum heavy. Um, And a big part of our curriculum is investment readiness. Edgar, thanks for setting the stage. And Tiffany, let's jump over to you. Uh, One of the things that Edgar mentioned was this idea of taking on outside capital and equity. And I, I think that what many people don't understand in the entrepreneurial community or even broadly is the moment you decide to take on outside money, especially equity, you've essentially agreed to sell your business at some point, right? Because that you have to return that equity, that initial investment. It's not like a bank loan where you could pay it back. And oftentimes the investors are looking for a big return. So if you're going to get out from underneath that investment, it's going to take substantial capital. So uh, Tiffany, tell us a little bit about what, what you've started uh, with, with Pure Vibes and a little bit about your experience through the uh, accelerator. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I'm Tiffany Wesley. I'm the founder of Pure Vibes, and we are a worker-owned personal care company that creates essential wellness products, including artisan handmade soaps and aromatherapy goods. Um, And in regards to the question about outside capital, um, that was something we were really community driven. Um, Pure Vibes as an organization was wanting to make an impact here locally. um, And we had that whole focus on how do we grow our community? How do we uh, provide great products? And also, how do we make a bigger impact? Um, So um, VC and venture capital and different funds like that just didn't make sense for our business model. Um, So we decided that we wanted to be a worker-owned cooperative where we can create equity and ownership in places that wouldn't otherwise exist in the form of our business. Um, So that was a part of what we did. And um, WePower just helped us fine-tune that and learn about the cooperative model um, and also what made sense for us because we were really struggling in terms of are we going to seek outside investment? What would be our exit strategy? Um, And how does the cooperative model fit our business and how we can make that work for the community? So people could not only just be workers of a company, but they could also be owners and have say-so in what happens in the day-to-day operations. And that was very critical and very important to me. Well, it's, it's nice to hear that uh, because I think when people think about entrepreneurship, uh, one, they think about creating personal wealth for themselves and their family, or they think about creating wealth for the investors that invested in them. But Tiffany, you're really looking at this as how do you create wealth for the entire crew that's helping you build and craft this vision? That is correct. So the co-op is for us and for the benefit of the members and the community. Edgar, uh, I understand, as I've, I've talked to Charlie Cooksey a couple of times, who, is, uh, who runs WePower overall, uh, she has some pretty high standards that she sets for the, and that you all set for the, the companies that come in, that, uh, you know, investment back into the community is part of this overall goal of WePower. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so important and, and why the standards that WePower has, WePower has set has really helped you curate the right group of uh, entrepreneurs for the cohort? Yeah, that's um, a great question and a big question. So um, in terms of Elevate Elevar specifically, I think one of the things that um, is a sort of unique approach, um, at least um, in our program in this specific uh, St. Louis region, is having a founder's commitment to community. Um, so um, when folks are filled out the application for the program, um, the founder's commitment essentially goes through about four or five um, principles. And, you know, pretty much the the two most important ones, I would say, is one is um, 
when it comes to expanding your team and, and hiring folks, we'd like you to hire folks at a uh, living wage. And if that's not possible, um, at least um, have a path um, a clear path for these employees to get to that living wage, right? And we, we say that, um, that sort of second part of it too, because we know that we're working with uh, startups that are anywhere between one to three years old. And so they're pretty young in their career. And so we want to acknowledge that um, the pace of their growth, while it is fast, it's also hard to do things like um, hiring someone at a living wage. And then the other one too is, you know, um, ideally when growing these businesses and, and, and hiring folks, like they're, they're doing it primarily from um, North City and North County. So um, historically, uh, neighborhoods um, and wards that have been disinvested in uh, for quite a while. Um, and I also want to acknowledge that while our program is six months, this commitment is something that um, we continue to work on and refine so that we can support Tiffany and other folks in the cohort um, around like how to meet this, this commitment. Right. Um, and so, because this was our first cohort, right. So um, we're thinking long game sort of future oriented. So this is something that we're always going to continuously come back to. And we have ongoing relationships with entrepreneurs um, and that's really what it takes. Right. And that's also the work that's informed by, um, you know, what we power does with its other programs with, um, constant, constantly um, listening to community members, you know, pre pandemic times, it was a lot of door knocking and phone. And, and now it's a little more like phone banking and maybe some like uh, socially distant um, uh, meetings. But um, yeah, so we the programs feed each other in terms of like, what's what is the community um, saying? And how can we respond to it accordingly? Well, Tiffany, what's next for for you and your company? Uh, yeah, so currently right now we're in the process of raising different funds and also working um, with our cooperative owners. Um, we're just seeking to scale. Um, right now we are putting, um, submitting a project um, for opportunity investments in the opportunity zones in St. Louis City. Um, so those are some of the hardest hit areas and that's our primary focus. Um, and just scaling and continuing the production and manufacturing of our goods and just making sure that we meet our numbers and, cre and create the community impact that we're looking for. And, and one of the byproducts of accelerator programs are, uh, I would say, are the, the friendships and the network that's created. Uh, Tiffany, can you tell, talk a little bit about, you know, your fellow cohort members and, and the support that you've received from just each other and provide to each other? Yeah, it's definitely more so that more family than friendship. Um, it's kind of one of those things when you go through six months with 10 different people, um, you just experience the hardship and you have someone that can relate to you um, and understand the hardships of being an entrepreneur. Um, and not only that, there were tough times in the curriculum where we were pushed and we were pressed and Repower was stretching us because it was a really in detailed curriculum. Um, and a lot of times we had to encourage each other and lean on one another to get through those tough times because as entrepreneurs I think that we get so focused on working in the business that we forget to work on the business um, and those was one one of the key points that really was driven home with me um, in creating those relationships um, not just with my peers but also with WePower they have been very supportive um, anytime there is a hard thing such as you know legal or marketing or exit strategy or investing or scaling um, they were right there helping us go through it um, and that was really important to me was the tangible resources and the hands-on um, atmosphere that they provided. Well, Tiffany Wesley from Pure Vibes and Edgar Piano from We Power. Thank you so much for for joining us on this. Uh, I think the Zoom held up for most of this interview. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, Great. guys.
Good luck to both of you. Thank you no so much. No problem. Have a great one. And we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible right after this. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Michael and Travis with you. And joining us is Matthew Homan from Filament. And there's a new concept that's coming up called uh, Thanksgiving. Is that right, Matt? Thanks that is for right. being with us. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me back. So first of all, an introduction, what is Filament? What is the startup that you're with? So Filament, uh, we've got a meeting space, probably right now the biggest virtual meeting space in the country. We have a 20,000 square foot space up on Washington Avenue, and we facilitate creative meetings, retreats, conferences, offsites, things around strategy, culture, design, innovation, that sort of stuff. Uh, but it makes of big companies and small companies. We've been around for almost five years, but we have been... Uh, focused all on being in person until obviously about six months ago. Our mantra was what we want to do in person, only things you can do in person. You know, PowerPoint, uh, people who come to us, we facilitate the meeting. The space is amazing. It's really cool. Uh, and so we've made the pivot virtually, uh, just like everyone else has. And, and tell us a little bit about Thanksgiving. Uh, we were mentioning in the opener that Thanksgiving and Friendsgiving are going to be quite different this year because people may not be able to gather. Uh, as an entrepreneur that sees an opportunity in the midst of crisis, tell us what Thanksgiving is going to be about. So this was something that we had queued up to do before the crisis hit. The idea behind Thanksgiving is it's a day where we'll pair uh, innovation and strategy teams from big companies, from creative agencies, from consultancies, um, and help them work with a nonprofit for a day to focus on one of those nonprofits' most significant challenges. What's cool about it, though, is that it's not just a, a paired day. Uh, we'll work with the nonprofits first to help them come up with a challenge, right? A how might we design thinking kind of focused challenge that is not about money. Uh, because if you ask a nonprofit what their biggest <laughs> challenge is, they'll all say we want more money. And so these challenges are going to be dramatically different. Uh, they're going to be really focused on uh, things that maybe COVID has shifted the sands a bit for them, whether in the people they serve or the folks that even are how they deliver those services. And so we'll take those challenges and we'll do a draft. So all the for-profits get to come in, uh, virtually, of course. Uh, they'll do a draft where they get to pick the challenge, but they won't know the nonprofit it belongs to until after they select. Uh, so we avoided being a bit of a popularity contest. We don't have to worry about someone picking someone because they might get business from them. And then that day of Thanksgiving, they'll work uh, paired, again, most likely virtually. It may be over a handful of days or it may be a single day of Thanksgiving, November 9th. November 9th. And that Thanksgiving is a chance for them to think about that challenge. Uh, so it's an opportunity for companies to give back a bit. Uh, and it's an opportunity for those nonprofits to engage with a different kind of problem solver around challenges that they may be facing for the first time or that they're ill-equipped to deal with. Who are some of the big companies that are, that are participating in this? So we're still, uh, we're still having people uh, put their applications in. We've got Purina is in, Emerson is in, Commerce is in, uh, Ameren is in. Uh, we've got a handful of mid-sized companies, Hunter Engineering, just as one is in. Uh, all told, there's about 15 companies now who've, uh, who've submitted for teams. Uh, our expectations will get to at least 25 because every company that comes in allows us to serve a nonprofit. So we're really hopeful not to have to winnow down the nonprofits because we have a limited number of for-profit innovation partners participating. And on the nonprofit side, uh, though we're not releasing the names because we don't want to screw up the, the draft a bit, 
uh, we're looking at nonprofits from a mix of five different categories, from uh, social services safety net sort of categories, uh, social justice, racial equity, education, arts and culture, and entrepreneurship. So we have an expectation that we'll have at least a handful of nonprofits in each of those buckets. Uh, again, with an, the idea that we can start to give back across the ecosystem versus just focus on one particular type of nonprofit or one particular kind of challenge. And Matt, what are the, I know you can't reveal the nonprofits or even maybe even the, the specific nature of some of the challenges, but are these uh, mostly, are we talking programming? I, I guess if I work at Purina or Ameren and I'm thinking, do, do I need to be a programmer to take part in this? Like right. some of the previous challenges we've had in St. Louis? So that's a great that's a great question. This isn't a hackathon, uh, and what we're doing is it's a help to is thinking, right? That's where the Thanksgiving idea comes from. We're at Filament going to be then delivering retreats to every single one of the nonprofits in January and February to help them put some action to these ideas. So we don't expect that in the course of a day someone's going to be able to build an app. Uh, the challenges are probably a bit higher level. One of my favorite uh, favorites. It sounds terrible to say it. We were talking with one nonprofit, and a challenge that they were discussing was that they serve battered women, and all of a sudden now they can't do the therapy, they can't do the engagement with these women in person, but they can't do it at home, right? For obvious reasons, and so that challenge on kind of rethinking their business model, rethinking the delivery of services, potentially even finding that middle space. That's something that's really well suited for some creative people to brainstorm on for the day uh, and certainly will come from different perspectives, right? Because nearly all of these nonprofits, if you think about what's been happening with COVID specifically, they're, the people in, that they serve need their services more. Their capacity to deliver those services has changed dramatically. Uh, and the culture inside their own organizations has shifted as their teams have gone predominantly remote. So there's uh, St. Louis has always been a problem-rich environment. I don't, uh, I don't expect that that's going to be any different as we work through some of these challenges. Well, Matt, it was interesting because you said, you know, to frame it, the challenge can't be about we need more money. And I would think that sometimes these corporates, uh, their solution is, can we just write a check, right? Like, they're, so you're really challenging both sides of that equation to, uh, again, at a higher level. But talk a little bit about how the corporates are will be approaching this. Because for them, it might just be easier to get, you know, go down to FedEx Kinko's and get one of those giant checks and there's a press conference and there's some PR and, and everybody feels warm and fuzzy. Uh, but this is more about meaningful engagement by these corporates, right? Yeah, it's a great question, Travis. And that's exactly right. We, we don't want it to be about money because we want it to be about collaboration, creativity, and we want the nonprofits to be able to bring innovation to the table, right? And a check doesn't do that. Uh, by limiting it to a day or what might effectively be a handful of hour to two hour sessions over three or four days uh, because we don't want to be staring at a Zoom screen for eight hours at once. Uh, we're expecting that the nonprofits and they're all, or the for-profits are all approaching it differently. A couple of them are saying this is a team building, right? This is our team. We're using this to engage in a dramatically different way because we've been so separated, right? We haven't had a chance to build community among our team. Others are, pull, are pulling their innovation teams, right? Their innovation, the folks who might be doing design thinking for them, strategy or innovation, even others. And this is a this is an approach. It seems that Purina is taking, and I I, I, I can share this with you because it's not a particular secret. They're looking, it seems, to find some of the smartest people across the organization, but dying to find a place to collaborate, 
right, but who live in different parts of the organization who know each other as thought leaders, creatives, but otherwise aren't focused on a single brand or a single customer. So uh, the companies are all over the board on this, but again, it's not a technical challenge. There might be some folks coming from the technology side. Emerson is going to be putting at least one team in on the tech side, but it's who do we lean on to solve these challenges that we face every day? And how do we bring that team together to apply that brain power and potentially even methodology to these te- to these nonprofit challenges? Hmm. You, you mentioned staring at a Zoom screen for eight hours. How has uh, COVID affected Filament's mission? And you mentioned uh, the largest virtual meeting space, <laughs> potentially potentially anywhere. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, we've got this gigantic space, and I'm the only one in it because we're the team <laughs> distributed. So like the Maytag repairman. Uh, that, yeah. I, I feel that way. So we've set up, I'm actually uh, not at Filament in the moment, uh, but we have uh, virtual meeting studios. So gigantic screens. We're facilitating meetings of anywhere from five to 50 or 100 or more uh, using a mix of tools that allow people to collaborate. One of the things that's been the biggest surprise for me and I'm, is that if you really want to be intentional about your virtual meeting, part of the question is what can we only do virtually? that we can't do in person. Because otherwise the question is almost always, what can we do in person? And then how do we just replicate that virtually? Uh, Which so that eight hour in-person meeting becomes an eight hour Zoom call. And so being able to think about asynchronous collaboration, being able to think about how we get people to do work in the in-betweens, we're finding that the virtual world with a bit more intention uh, can be pretty effective. And, and Matt, uh, are there ways for people on that aren't maybe part of the nonprofits or part of the corporates to still get involved in Thanksgiving? Are you still recruiting more nonprofits and corporates as well? Tell us a little bit about like how the community can be a part of this. So the easiest way to find us is thanksgiving.org, T-H-I-N-K-S, giving.org. Uh, there's a little form you can fill out. You can throw as a volunteer someone interested is entering a nonprofit or someone interesting is uh, as putting in an innovation team. We'll, we're doing some information sessions a couple times a week. You can sign up for those there as well, or we're happy to engage and answer those questions. Uh, it's a pretty small ask for the for-profits. It's a $5,000 fee because they'll then sponsor the work that the nonprofits are doing. The nonprofits participate for free. Uh, and again, the more of those innovation partners we have in the mix, uh, the more nonprofits we can serve. Uh, and this is a pilot, right? That's the not that's the the startup version of this. Is that this is a startup inside a startup? So uh, we've had enough interest that we expect Thanksgiving to be national next year, and certainly much bigger here in St. Louis. That national impact will be huge. The St. Louis impact seems like it'll be huge for these organizations and potentially for the companies too. Matt so. Homan, thank you so much. Uh, what's the website again for Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving.org. Org. Well, everybody have a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, everybody. See you guys later. Appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible right after this on KMOX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back. It's Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Michael and Travis with you. And let's bring in Darren Jackson, one of the most creative people in St. Louis from All Black Creatives. Thank you so much for Zooming in with us today. Yeah, super happy to. Good to see you guys. So tell uh, us about ABC first. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about All Black Creative. Yeah, we are a network. We're really a community. We started off as an Instagram channel um, probably in like 2016. And um, we 
started connecting people digitally, people would get into our DMs and be like, yo, I just moved to, uh, I just moved to San Francisco. Do you know any black people? <laughs> and, and we would just be like, yeah, like love to connect you with our homie. And so we would start off just by digitally connecting people, um, featuring them on our page. Um, and then from there we moved to doing in real life events, doing digital and creative art shows. Um, and we moved from there and we just started really providing more educational opportunities for the community and just more recently started like finding ways to hook them up with jobs and licensing deals and things like that so we uh really grassroots and just have literally been led by surveying our community and doing whatever they ask us basically <laughs> So, Darren, we were, uh, we were talking to Edgar from WePower in segment one, and he had a similar statement, which is the best way to serve your community is to continue to talk to your community and find out what their needs are. How, have you, how has talking to your community helped shape what All Black Creatives is now? And talk to us a little, little bit about the vision, the broader vision and the longer-term vision for ABC. Yeah, um, so up until now, so basically – we started, I mean, we started pretty much day one um, surveying our community. So like, if you wanna to go to an event, you wanted to have something like in partnership with us, we just had you doing a survey. We never charged you for anything. We just survey, survey, survey. And, um, and then through that survey, we started to just collect an, enough data that allowed us to understand exactly who our community is and what they were doing. I mean, like our first surveys were pretty extensive. Um, people know, like, I mean, it was like, it was, we know what their favorite websites are. We know uh, what, apps they, what apps they use the most, what their favorite food is, if they would rather use Lyft or Uber. Um, like, we just knew everything. Um, and so that really helped to guide us. Um, basically, during that time, we were like, okay, how does that curating events, like doing meetups, should we do this more digital? People want to do more meetups, actually. Um, so then, then from there, we were like, um, we found also, so then we said like, okay, well, what can we do to help you move forward in your career or your creative passions? And, um, and then we thought, so we gave a list of all these different things. We thought it was going to be capital. We thought it was going to be like all these things. And the top two things were access to more educational resources and then access to more connections. And so people really wanted, as we dove in and really started to understand our community better, they really wanted the opportunity to um, enhance their profile or profiles, their, their portfolios, enhance their resumes, um, be able to build up their project uh, database list of things that they've accomplished. Um, but then they also wanted like access to like meeting people. A lot of them were like first generation and caught like out of college and like trying to like figure out their first jobs for the first time um, and not knowing how to like really get into that network. Um, so it really helped us. We, we saw that. 80% of our people wanted mentors on our most recent survey, right? And so like 80% was just like, we did a survey probably um, three weeks ago and found out 80% of our community wanted access to mentorship. And like, that's not something that we've offered before. Um, and so that's something we're currently working on right now. We have some of the top people, some of the top companies in the world who are sending us people to provide mentorship to our community, which is super awesome. Um, and so, so really, I, I would say is if, if I were to sum up like all black creatives, our, our, our focus right now is to celebrate 
accelerate um, and connect um, our community um, with each other. And from there, um, we really started to see the opportunity to connect them to businesses. They didn't have access to jobs. Um, a lot of them weren't getting access to jobs. They were like, hey, I was applying for this job and I couldn't even get it or like, you know, just whatever it is. So more recently, we were like, okay, cool. We don't want to just be a referral pipeline um, because that gets really messy and then also sometimes doesn't go anywhere because you don't really get to talk to the influencers. You're just a job posting board. And that's not bad. It's just like not the model that we wanted to go down. So we started doing all this deep dive research into like search services and like finding out how like executives get placed and how senior level management gets placed at jobs. And so um, we ended up, actually I met a, uh, reconnected with a friend of mine who was a CEO of like a top 10 search firm in the world. And, um, and, and um, we really started to, to, to focus on like, what does it look like to partner together um, to, to put black talent at these upper level roles so that at the bottom level it would be that much easier to get people in and then we're talking to key not only talking to key stakeholders but we're putting key stakeholders um into these offices we're putting key stakeholders into these boardrooms and and really help having the power to help influence to make decisions so um we've been taking like big jumps and everything that we've done like i mean we just kind of go all in um whenever we're doing it so and we really take our community super serious and and the work that we do with them super serious um so we've been partnering with like instagram we've been partnering with facebook we partnered with bumble we're partnering with verizon like we have all these like partnerships that we're doing and that we're working on people reach out to us adobe multiple times now um and so like now we're just like okay like how do we get them really plugged in um to our community not just like how does our community have to just plug into their companies if that makes sense you know uh, there was a recent article that i read uh, just earlier in the week uh, that the CEO from Wells Fargo uh, was mentioning that, you know, they have a hard time finding black talent because it's a pipeline problem. And uh, I was just looking that up to try to get the exact quote. Yeah. Oh, uh, bro. Uh, I got all the quotes. I got them right here. <laughs> I got a whole text thread on it. <laughs> but that, that, that seems like a very lazy, a lazy answer, right? A, a lazy oh, interpretation yeah. of the problem because the talent is out there. I mean, Darren, you've, you've assembled uh, a community of talented black and brown creatives uh, and professionals. Uh, how, and all these big companies desperately want to be more diverse. They just are really crappy at doing it. So talk a little bit about how you've been able to really connect some of that talent and listen, not only to the community that you serve, but the community that has the need, which are these big corporates. Yeah, that has been very, very interesting. If you could imagine, like, these companies, especially you get, you start working with companies like Wells Fargo, um, these companies, when they get to a certain size, like, things just get more and more complicated sometimes, like, as far as, like, how you plug in and work with them to, like, really sourcing talent. Um, they have had, they have had, um, decades some of them and some of them are just been birthed out of the same systems that have like produced this like disconnect these opportunity gaps but there's been like decades i mean just in general the systems that have been designed to um to keep black and diverse talent out of these spaces it's just like it goes all the way i mean 
without going into like deep, deep, deep history and all that other shit right now, like it goes like directly, like you can look at like where are they sourcing talent from? <laughs> and they're sourcing talent from the exact same schools. And if they do partner with an HBCU, they're partnering with three of the HBCUs, Hamptons, uh, uh, Spelman, um, and Morehouse. And, and, and- We just had NGA announce a partnership with Harris Stowe. That's what I'm he talking about. just reminded about. me of, that's yeah. Good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a huge win. And I think that it's the least NGA can do. And I think it's great. <laughs> um, and, like, and I think NGA is going to be a winner for, uh, I think NGA is going to, yeah, that, I think that that could be a huge win, but that's the type of commitments that we need more of in general um, and at scale, right? Like NGA is going to be hiring thousands of people. Like we need them partnering with a much more probably than just Harris. but Harris is going to be a great start. Sorry. But basically, these schools in general, like where they're partnering with school, where they're getting, who they're sourcing talent from, isn't, and not even just the HBCUs, they're also only going to Ivy League schools who have partnerships with their internship programs and like these types of deals, like where like, oh yeah, I know if I go to this school, then I can get this type of job if I, it, like after, and I can go work for this company, it's going to be that much more easy to go work for one of these major tech companies. Um, now, one of the tech companies we're working with right now, uh, they're combating this like, hey, like pipeline, what they're considering a pipeline issue, because obviously there's tons of talent that doesn't go to Ivy League schools, right? Like there's a lot of brilliant minds who aren't found at Harvard, okay, or Stanford. And so- um, Or at any college so, like, at this point. You said what? Or even a college at all in some Or even in college at, at all, yeah. exactly, exactly. So like, so, um, not to get too caught up, not to get too much into this, but like even with like Facebook right now, right? Like on the back end, um, what they're working on is like a lot of, and, and you'll see a lot more companies like this, but on the back end, you see a lot of these companies that are now saying like, what can you create? What can you build? Not necessarily, where did you go to school? What have you done? So it's more of like a competency and a skills-based testing than it is, um, than it is like educational level. And even, and it's not even experience. It's not even experience anymore. They're taking their experience out in a lot of it. They want to know, do you have the competency? And then do you have the abilities, uh, capabilities to, to complete the projects that they need? And so um, I think that it's going to take work for these companies to continue to like re-identify like how they, how they, how they evaluate talent, but then there's like this idea of like how they source talent and where they source talent from. And so like a lot of our partners, the way that we've been able to get in, I mean, we're very, I think a lot of it also has to do with the search service side, like on the recruiters, the search services, mainly old white guys, right? And so like, and so like if, if that's what you're recruiting your talent from, that's what you're going to end up getting like in, in the boardrooms or in the, in the, in the, in the, in the um, corporate C-suite levels, the director levels. And a lot of these companies don't have as hard of time finding people in the junior levels, right? Like they would almost love to push all their diversity to the bottom, right? And like, and like be able to say like, hey, we're a diverse company. Look at all of our people who work for us. But I think like the thing that really is important is um, uh, that some of these search services even need to start to adopt and need to understand that like, you know, these companies are going to start looking for people who are more specialists, not generalists. So like for us, like we focus on like finding black talent to put into these companies, which you got to walk a fine line because they can't just say in everything like, oh, we're going to put a black person in this role. They can't just say that. Right. Like in some of these companies, you can't just be like, it's discrimination. Where's what we're finding out? You know? Yeah. Uh, so like so anyway so it's like really learning the system learning how to like work together 
and making these big lofty commitments together. So like for us, like a big commitment that we make to a lot of these companies isn't just filling positions, which we are helping to fill roles, but also that we're building pipelines, that we're building talent pipelines so that they can't say they don't know where to find these people. Sorry if that's in the background. And if people wanted to learn more about All Black Creatives, uh, how can they, I know they could follow on Instagram. What other ways can they get connected to All Black Creatives? Yeah, I mean, you can follow on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. Um, go to our website, allblackcreatives.com. Um, we have so much more coming out that I wish I could talk about right now that I can't. But if you would have given me like a month, I swear to God, <laughs> like there's going to be so much going on in the next month and our lives are like going really wild right now. Um, but all that creators, I mean, we're on Instagram. You can go on, you can go on Facebook, you can go on LinkedIn. Really, we're most active on, um, on Instagram. Um, but you can become a member also um, going through our website or find out how to become a partner um, going through our website too. Good deal. Darren Jackson, co-founder of, of All Black Creatives. Thanks for joining us on Nothing Impossible. Heck yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much. And thanks for joining us for this edition of our Innovation Conversation. We'll be back next week. Uh, probably not on screen because I think, Michael, you and I both have a, what, what do they say? A face for radio? Yeah, like I said, I think I need a haircut. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 